Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Hey, Joey. Welcome back to Cut for Time. It's been a long time since you've had to record an episode, um, but hey, we're so glad to be able to like kickstart this back up and um, kind of just let our sermons live a little mm-hmm. longer throughout the week. Yeah, I can't believe you said had to record an episode. I love this stuff. Get to record an episode. Man, let's that's, do it. That's true. I feel like you always have like so much extra stuff. Like Cut for Time with you could be an additional whole sermon. Sermon, yeah, right. Length. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So Joey, can you recap your sermon from Sunday? You preached um, from the text, Matthew chapter eight, verses five through 13, entitled your sermon, um, God who is worthy of trust. What did that mean? And like, what was your sermon about? Yeah. So this last weekend from Matthew eight, we were looking at the passage where a centurion comes to Jesus. A centurion's like a Roman captain, you know, uh, in charge of the garrison there at Capernaum. And he he comes to Jesus, my servant is sick, can you heal him? And Jesus asks him or offers, yeah, I'll come. And he's like, no, no, you don't need to come, you know, just say the word, um, which is fascinating faith on the part of the centurion, because there, there's no precedent anywhere for like healing from a distance where, um, you know, somebody is just able to heal someone else without being there. And so somehow this, this centurion has this kind of faith in Jesus's power and authority that we haven't seen anywhere else. And, and, and the reason we called this the, the God who is worthy of trust is this idea of the faith of people exhibiting faith in Jesus hasn't come up yet in the gospels. Uh, Matthew, you know, has Jesus um, calling people to repent, but not yet to believe in that way. And so um, the very first time faith shows up in the gospel of Matthew, it's a Gentile, an outsider, and Jesus is blown away by the level of this guy's faith. So mm-hmm. uh, the whole, the, the, what we focused in on, on this passage and kind of from the whole flow of Matthew's storytelling from chapters eight and nine and into 10 is that Jesus is the God who is worthy of trust, who's worthy of belief, who's worthy of faith because of his power, because of his authority, but also his not just his power and authority to heal. You know, that's a temporary sign of the kingdom coming in. Uh, and in anticipation of the full kingdom in the future. But as we get into Matthew's story, we get more and more focused on our sin, not our sickness or our disease or our you know health, but our our sinfulness, our spiritual health. And that's the real thing that needs needs healing. And uh, Jesus kind of introduces the idea of faith here in this one. And then in just another couple of stories, forgiveness of sin starts to come in. So we're moving in that direction in Matthew's narrative. Okay. All right. Thanks, Joey. Anything that you had to cut for time um, from your sermon on Sunday? Yeah, well, uh, no, you know, no real particular stories or illustrations or anything like that. But I really I would have loved to have spent a whole lot more time of uh, just digging into Matthew's whole storyline. Of course, it's not really the point of the sermon. The point is to look at this particular text. What I did kind of leave out is verses 11 and 12. I didn't spend a lot of time um digging into what does it mean that some of the sons of the kingdom, uh, as it it says in, so Jesus says in verse 11, I tell you, many will come from East and West and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And and there's a lot of like old Testament resonances in that verse coming from East and West is an echo of the Isaiah text where 
God promises that he will draw all of Israel back together from east and west. And so, you know, a Jewish hearer is first going to be like, yeah, you know, God's going to bring us all back from wherever we've scattered us. And we're going to all recline at, you know, at the table that recline at table is a picture of the big messianic feast at the end of the ages with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you know, the patriarchs of, of Israel. Um, but when Jesus flips it in verse 12 and says, well, the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out of the feast. It's like, oh. So when you said many will come from East and West, you meant many Gentiles. Jesus is taking a Jewish promise and broadening it and saying, yeah, Gentiles will be included. Non-Jews will be included in this. And the sons mm -hmm. of the kingdom themselves, the, the Jews themselves, some, not all, obviously not all because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be there. Um, but some of those who by birthright should be in will find themselves out because of faith it comes down to faith right. and, and the faith response to jesus but the uh you know okay what is the outer darkness and the weeping and gnashing of teeth and is this a picture of uh, you know hell on, on one mm -hmm. extreme or just disappointments on a really might you know how does all that fit together i didn't take the time to dig into and i'm actually not really going to take the time right now other than to say okay. um, <laughs> that's a fascinating subject itself but it's one you got to follow all the way through matthew to really make sense of of what jesus is saying sure so not only was that like cut for time from your sermon it was cut for time in your preparation time you didn't even have time to dig into that it was but right, if you had more because... time if you had a whole nother week to prepare sure five weeks or whatever <laughs> i might dig into that one yeah sure. because the, the the overall the point is hey jesus is worthy of our trust and it's calling us to sure. trust and if I had, you know, taken more time to develop it, I was like, it, the point is a trust, a, a belief, a faith that leads one to the messianic banquet, not a uh, a faith or a trust that saves you from outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? It's about being drawn towards something, not just trying to run away from something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Joey. So, um, Joey, we have been encouraging people to send in questions and we've Woo! got two first. Um, is this a passage that has been used by pro-homosexual advocates because of the mm -hmm. term used for servant? And can you address this? Sure, 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 sure. So, uh, yes, this is, well, yes and no. Um, the Matthew story, not so much, um, hasn't been used because in Matthew, all he says to all the centurion says is my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. You know, there's, uh, there's nothing more to it than that. But in Luke, Luke's version of the story in Matthew seven, um, it says now a centurion had a servant who was, this is Matt, or Luke seven, two. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued. By him, and so that's the um, that's the, the the passage that some will say, uh, yeah, you know what this means. It, a servant who's highly valued obviously means a um, a servant that this the centurion was in a, a homosexual relationship with. And so, if Jesus healed the guy, well, then obviously he's con he's not just condoning, but he's approving of same sex relationships. Um, you know, is that a stretch? Well, yeah, kind of, um, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, it's assuming that the only value that a servant can have to the master is a, um, 
is a sexual value. Um, it's immediately assuming that, you know, two males in a power dynamic like this of master servant um, can't have any, you know, exchange of value other than sexual value, which is a very modern way of reading an ancient relationship. It's not an entirely uh, inappropriate reading. It's just uh, really diving into, um, or I shouldn't say diving into, it, it's assuming a lot of implication there that that isn't really in, in the text. Um, we know from history that a lot of, uh, especially in Greek and Roman culture, there was a lot of same-sex relationships and they were... Um, largely exploitative, power-based. Uh, it was yeah. always older, more powerful men with younger men who were trying to, you know, this was the way that you gained entrance into the Senate or into the um, the areas of power that you wanted to be part of. So you had to mm -hmm. attach yourself to an older guy who would, um, who would give you access at, in exchange for exploiting, uh, exploiting you. So, um, so that, that's, existed in the culture at the time was a, a centurion in uh, Capernaum involved in such a relationship. I don't know. Um, it was more like, you know, centurions while they were on active military service, couldn't marry uh, or have kids. Um, it was more prevalent or more likely that centurions would take concubines or mistresses and have illegitimate children than have actual family. So, um, to, to read this as, uh, as um, supporting a, a homosexual relationship is to really limit the meaning of value to only sexual value on the one hand. On the, uh, uh, a second area of consideration is, you know, Jesus healed a lot of people. Um, and in no other case do we say that when Jesus healed that person, he, uh, that automatically meant he was approving of their sin their lifestyle their whatever um he would heal uh, or forgive folks and then say and go and don't sin anymore you know go and sin no more or he would heal he would say your sins are forgiven now get up and walk right in each case um every other healing in in no case does jesus ever saying um i heal you because you know what everybody says what you're doing is wrong but it's actually just fine and i want you to know it's okay so you're, it's a lot of reading between the lines to sure. try to um, read into the story um, something that you want to be there, which again, you can't ever, you know, you can't stop somebody, you can't stop anybody from reading between the lines and reading into a story what they want to be there that isn't really there. And that is the, that's why reading scripture within a, a community and especially an Orthodox and I mean, historically Orthodox community is so important because the most dangerous way to read scripture is all by yourself saying, well, it's just me and Jesus and the Holy Spirit help me understand this text. Because um, then you, there's a, there's a huge difference between reading scripture and interpreting and exegeting scripture, you know, um, digging into the, the details of the text in order to understand it more clearly. It's very easy to read a passage and then be like, oh, this intuitively makes sense to me in this way. Like, oh, sure, of course. Now, a centurion had a servant who was sick at the point of death who was highly valued by him. Obviously, that's a same-sex relationship. Well, that's a that's a intuitive, I'm 
using scare quotes for the folks listening at home, that's an intuitive jump by someone who is reading into a 2000 year old text, their own immediate culture and immediate intuition, which is, we should be highly suspicious of our own intuitional reading of scripture. And we often, even in our own evangelical context, we often confuse intuitive understandings of scripture with spirit inspired or spirit um, revealed readings of scripture. And uh, we think, well, it just may, if it makes obvious sense to me, that must be the Holy Spirit telling me this is the obvious reading of, of the, the text. Um, that's a, that's a pretty fraught assumption to make because it's assuming that a text written 2000 years ago or more to a culture very different from mine makes the clearest intuitive sense when read from my social location and my culture, reading into it, all of the things that I think about, uh, assume about the nature of reality and relationships and power and, and sex and all of that stuff. So to put it much more succinctly for uh, uh, the question asker, um, yes, people have used this passage to prove, to quote unquote, prove that. However, it requires a lot of reading into the text that I don't think is valid. And if you're reading the text within an Orthodox, historically Orthodox community anyway, you'd have a very difficult time of coming to that conclusion. Okay. Thank you, Joey. Um, All right. Second question here. Do you think that most people healed by Jesus in the Bible had faith in Jesus similar to the one that you've described by the centurion, merely in Mm -hmm. him as having the power to heal? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a that's a fascinating question. I love it because uh, yes and no because uh, like we talked about with Matthew's whole storyline, you know, as he's moving from sort of the what's the problem Jesus came to solve, right? Uh, it appears initially like the problem Jesus came to solve is that God's not with us. Well, now he's here, but the kingdom hasn't come yet. So um, maybe it's more than just God being with us. Maybe it's that we're uh, you know we're we're not we're not aligning with his kingdom. So he calls us to repent as well. Maybe now we need better teaching. So he, you know, to understand the kingdom. So he teaches more and now maybe it's healing and, and we need healing from disease and sickness. So Jesus begins healing. And then finally it kind of points towards sin. So um, it, when you've got, so I, I'll say, yes, I think most of the faith of those who encountered Jesus was a, they were beginning to, to appreciate Jesus might be the Messiah. He might be the one who is coming, the anointed one. And their perception of what the Messiah would do is that he would return, gather in Jews from around the world and bring the kingdom of God physically and immediately um, right there in the land, push out all of the occupiers and, and everything else. So they had a, a faith in a Messiah who would, who would bring an immediate physical kingdom and very little understanding or anticipation of a Messiah who would suffer and whose suffering would bear not just our diseases, but our, our sins. Mm -hmm. And so as they're looking ahead towards, okay, I believe in this Messiah in this guy who I think is the Messiah who has authority and power, who is going to bring the kingdom. And they're like, yes, I believe in that but without a clear understanding of that meant Jesus was going to go to the cross uh, and die and rise again. 
I would assume that the majority of the folks who believed in Jesus as Messiah, when they see this, then that draws them into the deeper faith in Jesus as not just um, a Messiah bringing a physical kingdom, but a Messiah who is uh, bringing spiritual healing in anticipation of a physical kingdom to come. Um, but it, at this point in the narrative where we are with it, people are believing that Jesus has the power to heal. And in the next chapter, chapter, they start to realize, oh, he has the power to forgive. And, and so the faith content, the content of their faith grows as Jesus's mission becomes clearer and clearer. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Joey. Yeah. Um, that's a, we that's appreciate- a fun question. Yeah. Um, appreciate the questions. Keep them coming, people. Text them in, please. Um, and Joey, thanks so much for taking the time to prepare your responses to those questions. Yeah, all right, Joey. That's all we've got for cover time. It's a wrap. Look, look at us go. Season four, episode two in the can. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.